welcome to this week's Up and Running. This morning we're going to hear the story of one of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm delighted to be joined this morning by John Tuhi. John is the founder of Nightline and Parcel Motel. He sold that business in 2017 to UPS for 30 million. And he has since started a new business, which is Upot, which will interest many of you. And he has invested a million euro of his own money into this new business. Up and running with Claire Ronan on Ocean FM. This morning, I am delighted to be joined by an entrepreneur, one who has had a very successful career behind him and I think another very successful career ahead of him. Very interesting businesses. Good morning. I'm delighted to be joined by John Tuhi. Good morning, John, and thank you for joining us on this morning's Up and Running. Good morning, Claire. Delighted to be here and thanks for having me on. Well, I hope that there's some students out there listening this morning to this interview because your journey has been so interesting and not really conventional, I suppose, when you when you look at the academic world that a lot of students are going through. You left school early, basically, is what I'm trying to say, John. Yeah, I left school after fifth year. But when, I, when I'm explaining that to young people who are contemplating um, uh, leaving school early, which is not something I, I encourage uh, at all, it, it, was, it wouldn't have been unusual back in the 80s for... for guys and girls to leave school after say the inter the intercert which was the equivalent of the junior cert back then. Yeah. It wouldn't be unusual to leave school after that if you were going to do an apprenticeship or become a hairdresser or something like that. So it's not as unusual it wasn't as, as unusual then as it sounds now. But I did I actually went back to school after the intercert to do to do the leaving. Uh I left school after fifth year. I was very bored with school and wasn't happy there so I decided to um, leave school after fifth year and uh, take my chances in the world. So I, I was very much educated in the university of life, to use that cliche. Well, I think it's 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 one it's one education that we've gone so far down the academic route that we're nearly forgetting about the education of life, which is why I wanted to mention. Now, in our day, uh, John, I think we're from the same vintage. Uh, it wasn't uh, force; it was Anco, and you did an Anco course. Yeah, so after I left school, I did a, I did a number of different jobs. Um, I worked in, in retail in city centre of Dublin, um, in a number of different jobs there. And then there was an opportunity, I just saw an ad in the paper for a start your own business course that was been, being run by a, a firm of private consultants on behalf of ANCO at the time, which was the equivalent of FOSS or whatever the equivalent training authority is now. And I just thought, I really fancied the idea and uh, I just put my name down for it and basically kind of spoofed my way onto the course. Because I knew so much about retail, I I went went for the interviews and uh, you know just sort of used the story that I was going to open, open a retail store because I knew a bit about retail, having worked in retail in, in Dublin. And I got onto the course and I have to say it was really fantastic. I learned an awful lot. Uh, I left the course, didn't start a business. I got a, got a job in a, in a courier firm in Dublin um, but it, it stayed with me in terms of what I learned on the course. And then I, I did eventually uh, start a business. Um, what I had learned on that course stood, stood me well, you know. They were fantastic courses. And actually the false courses are still fantastic. So practical from a working point of view, exactly as you say there, John. So you, you worked as a courier for a while. But in 1992, when you would have been in your 20s, 
you decided to take the plunge with your partner, David Field, and you started a business that many people in the Northwest will have known um, and used quite regularly, which was Nightline and Parcel Motel. Now, was it was it nerve wracking starting at that time in 1992? You know, the world wasn't a fantastic place. No, I mean, when when um, I had actually when I started as I started in the courier business as a van driver um, around town for a courier firm, and then I got into I was doing some office work, and then progressed into uh, my big break. I suppose came for one of the American multinationals opened up in Ireland, and I applied for a job there. And uh, I I got I was very lucky I got a I got a job uh, with that company when they opened in Ireland in eight, 1987 I think it was and I progressed in I progressed into management there over the next four years or so and it was actually um, the kind of the equivalent of the country manager there um, by 1990 or 1991 so uh, even though I was still quite young um, I was very ambitious I uh, worked very hard deadly earnest and uh, I became I got into a senior management role there when I was about 20 or 21 so um, I, I you know and then and then what happened was in 1992 as you say the, the economy in Ireland was 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 was, very, was tanking basically it was very bleak and uh, the company themselves had got into had overextended themselves in terms of expanding in Europe and they uh, decided to shut down their operation in Ireland but, but uh, they were very generous in terms of the severance patches that we got. So myself and Dave left, started Nightline, and we we had sort of identified a niche in the market, and um, we just decided to go for it. And we basically started out by by uh, sending a, sending couriers, on what we call onboard couriers, and basically a passenger with an Aer Lingus ticket going to London every day with, with parcels as their, as their baggage. And that's basically how we started out. So... Um, the options, I suppose, for us wouldn't have been great. I mean, we're 1992 was either restart the options for us were either to start a business or, or emigrate. So I had just bought a house. I because I was in senior management, I had a mortgage and a house and everything else. Was I was, I was quite a serious individual back then, despite my youth. And uh, so I had commitments, and I decided to. Um, we decided to stay put and have a go at, at starting the business. You know. And did it go very? Did it grow very fast, John? Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, we started the business basically working out of my spare room, and because you know, as I said, I had a house, so we had a spare bedroom there, and then we started working there, and then it grew. It grew reasonably well. I mean, we we went from there to an office. It was funny because, well, it wasn't funny back then, but we moved as things started to get busy in the house, and uh, we decided we needed an office, so we rented an, an office in a service sort of office place near Dublin Airport. And then we'd been there about two weeks and, and the entire building burned down. And uh, we, of course, had gotten to get around to taking out insurance cover. Oh, no. And uh, so we were back to square one. But the, you know, it was amazing, the community, the business community that was around us then because we were in a sort of a serviced office building near the airport. There was lots of other businesses in there as well. And we were all just helped each other out. And the landlord there, uh, Tom Duffy, who had a meat business, Tom Duffy Meats at the time, he was a really great guy. He found us alternative office accommodation in in a building nearby uh, some that a friend of his owned and he he helped us and we all helped each other and we got we got back up and running again and uh, we managed to survive and over probably the following nine or ten years we built up a really good sort of lifestyle business as a as an international courier and freight forwarder um you know operating from a, a small unit near the airport and it, it was really good 
then in the early noughties, then we expanded into the around Ireland parcel delivery business, and that led us, for example, to open a delivery depot in Sligo. And um, so we would have been very familiar with the because because we covered the Sligo and Donegal area, Leitrim, and um, over to North Mayo from our base there in Sligo. So that kind of bit of expansion was what, what brought the company onto a really, in terms of scaled up to a really large, much larger business that went from employing probably 30 people in 19, in sorry, by 2001, we probably had between 30 and 50 people working there. And then by the time we got to 2017, uh, we had 1,250 people working there, you know. Whoa, 1,200. And, you know, did you have thoughts then when you got to that size that you would sell or did somebody just approach you? Um, I suppose when the company got to that size, that was 20. When we sold the business, we had an initial approach, I suppose, for, from a multinational who were interested in buying the business in 2015. And um, we, we went to our corporate finance advisors at the time where EY and they said, look, if there's one multinational interest in buying this, there might be others. So they ran what's called a process, which is like the equivalent of selling your house, right? It's like you, you appoint an estate agent and then you put it on the market and see what interest there is. Um, so EY did it, did all that for us. And, and we eventually we ended up with four multinationals interest in buying the business. That, that boiled down to two and eventually one, and we sold it to UPS in 2017. So that whole process took about two years. Now, we did have to consider very carefully whether it was a good idea to sell the business or not. Mm. Um, but the considerations were Brexit, the Brexit vote had just happened in 2016. There was a lot of uncertainty in the markets, uh, a lot of money to be spent on, you know, cross-border solutions and customs clearance and, you know, a lot of investments to be made. And we were very heavily indebted at the time. We were, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd a lot of debt in the business, very heavily leveraged, didn't have a whole lot of red headroom to raise any more debt to get through that sort of uncertain time that came just after Brexit. So, you know, and we had a buyer there ready ready and waiting. So it was, and that's what kind of decided it for us, really, you know. But um, it was difficult to do because we, we'd built, it was our baby. We'd built mm-hmm. it for over 25 years and we had a lot of very loyal people, a great team there. So it was a, but at the same time, we also had to consider them because we, you know, the next sort of few years after the Brexit closed, it was uh, it was a time of great uncertainty, mm. and it needed it needed um, the business really needed somebody with deeper pockets to, to weather that storm, you know. And I think that happened to a lot of businesses around that time. John, uh, parting with the business, I'm sure, uh, was um, a sad and happy occasion. But most people in your situation, you know, would have just sat back and enjoyed the fruit of their hard work, um, which I know from listening to you, as you say, you're deadly earnest. You sold the business for 30 million and you would have thought maybe it's time to sit back and play golf every day. But no, not you. Yeah, we sold. Look, that that kind of headline number comes out because um, in the interviews and in media and newspapers and so on like that but at the end of the day we had a business when I said we had a lot of debt so the business was sold for just under 30 million it was about 28 and a half or 29 million and it was um, we had over just over 15 million in debt to repay so when you sell a business your, your listeners might, you might not understand this is that when you sell a business the debt any debt that's in the business has to be paid off from the mm. proceeds and um, so we had about 50, so if you take, do the simple maths, 29 million 
with 15 million odd in, in debt to pay off that left us with 14 at that stage myself and Dave only had about four, 40% each of the business and then you had to pay tax and everything else and we were both very very indebted personally as well because we'd remortgaged their houses and everything else to grow the business over the years brought in very little external investment and uh, so it was, it was a, a huge amount of debt so it didn't actually end up with a whole lot of money at the end of it so um I knew I'd have to do something. I had a, you know, had a nice couple of years off. Um, and, you know, and, t- and going back to the point about education, one of the first things I did was I went to London to do a course in the London School of Economics. It was one of the sort of boxes I wanted to tick after I saw the business. And I really enjoyed that. And it's, that's education for when you really are interested in yes. something and you want to learn about it. So that's why I wouldn't be dissing education or academic qualifications by any means. But, uh, sorry, going back to the point, yeah, look, we didn't didn't end up with a whole lot of money. We ended up with a, with a nice little bit of bundle of cash, but not enough to retire on completely. And it would have been only, what, 50, I'm 54 now, so it would have been 50, 49 or 50 back then, so probably too young to hang up the boots. Ah, too, yourself, you know? far too young, you're sure, far too young to hang up your boots. And this is where we get to which... which all the listeners will be interested in, your next adventure, your next uh, business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Lupod, the OOH stands for Out of Home. So it's it's basically, again, if your listeners are familiar with Parcel Motel, where it was uh, parcel lockers where you could order items to, well, a lot of people used it for the UK side of things, where you ordered items to Belfast and we brought them across border, put them into parcel lockers for people to collect so that business model really now has been disrupted because um, of Brexit, because of the cross-border. You can't move comparisons cross-border now without accounting for customs, duty and VAT and fees and so on. So we started to do pod. First of all, it's a par- it's an open um, access network of parcel lockers. Now we have a number of them around Dublin um, and and Belfast, actually, Northern Ireland was really taken off as well. So... So that means that they're, it's basically a parcel locker like a parcel motel, but it's open for anybody to use. So you can use it to drop off your keys for your, you know, for your cleaner to collect, or for your if you have an Airbnb, you can leave the keys there for the Airbnb people to collect. So it's everything from small users, small private individuals, right up to big courier companies using it to drop off parcels when people aren't at home. So it's a completely open access network of parcel lockers. And this thing is a really trending sort of. Um, phenomenon in Europe, Asia and Europe now as well. There's lots of parcel locker networks like this bringing up all over the place. We've really definitely focused on trying to put the parcel lockers where people might find them really useful. So just sort of a heart back to the parcel motel cross-border thing. We've put a number of these uh, along border locations just over the border in Northern Ireland. So people say in the Sligo area who liked uh, cross-border shopping and want access to those stores that don't ship to Ireland anymore um, can order online on a UK site, have it delivered say, say for example to um, our Dolan's we have a parcel locker at Dolan's in Straban we have another one in uh, Belik so they can order from the UK sites, have it delivered to our parcel locker in Belik or Straban and then you, you have to go, the difference between that and parcel towers, you have to go with person across the border to pick up the parcels um, from the parcel locker and you're avoiding them the customs delays the additional fees and you get access to all those stores in the UK that won't ship to Ireland anymore and you also have a genius idea which is you also have um, a, a retail shop in Jonesborough 
Yeah, so Jonesboro, probably for your listeners around Donegal and Fiego, um, Leitrim, it's probably a little bit of a, of a trap. Yeah. For, certainly for Dublin listeners, uh, Dublin people are anywhere li- from you know from Dublin up to the border, Dundalk, or other kind of thing. We have a re- we have a retail store in Jonesboro, which is just off Junction Twenty on the M1. So it's not a so you leave it's about forty five minutes from Dublin Airport, and it's not as far as Newry. So you're going along the M1. It's Junction Twenty, and then you're in. You're, so Junction Twenty is actually in the is in is in Ireland, and then as soon as you come off Junction Twenty, you're you're in Northern Ireland. So it's an Northern Ireland location, and we have a retail store there where we have staff, and you can order larger items to be delivered there. And you can also, it also has a changing room. So uh, we get a lot of customers ordering. For example, Debenhams don't ship to Ireland anymore um, since they shut down or since Brexit. Um, we get we get customers that order uh, lots of, they'll order some stuff from Debenhams. They'll come to our store. They go in the changing room, try everything on, and then they, they leave the items there that they want to ship back, you know, a return, and then they keep the stuff that they want to keep. So it means that they don't have to make two, two journeys. They can order online from UK stores have it delivered to Jonesboro, go and try the stuff on because we've got the changing room there. Leave the stuff there with us, our, our staff there, Maureen and Kerry will take care of it and like, get it shipped back to the wherever the retailer is in the UK. So that's really popular, really popular with um, Dublin customers and from um, customers around the border area in Dundalk and so on. And John, I just want to remind the listeners, I'm speaking with John Tui, who with his partner, David Field, set up originally Nightline and Parcel Motel, which they sold um, a number of years ago for uh, 30 million. John is just telling us the story and his new business is Upad. Now, John, do you hope to actually expand into different areas with that retail outlet um, and with other areas where there will obviously be more Upads? Yeah, well... The Upods have taken off really well, and uh, so we've uh, we have Upods expanding to all Lidl locations in Northern Ireland at the moment, and we're hoping to reach agreement with Lidl for um, for all of the uh, Lidl stores in Ireland as well. So that would be just for convenience, particularly if you're in a living, say, in a rural area, and couriers aren't making it out here, yeah. or or you're not at home. So needle needle stores are in really great locations and they're so easy um, uh, so easy to access that um, we'll have it, uh, ultimately we hope to have a new pod at every needle store in Ireland. Needle are really great to deal with and they they really like the idea and been able to provide this as a service to the community. So if you're in a, a rural area and the local town has a needle store, you'll have a new pod there, so you can have your your parcels delivered to the UPod. So that you can pick them up at your convenience rather than hanging around waiting for a courier to try and find you, especially if you're in a remote area or so, you know, that kind of thing. So God, that's really the kind of market we're targeting with that, you know. That's fantastic. It's going to be a really great business. Are you excited about this? How do you feel as compared to 1992 when you started the last business? Well, look, uh, I wish I, I wish I, uh, it was 1992 again, but it's hard to know what I know now, Terry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But no, look, it's I have a great team here in Upad, and uh, Orla Orla Shields is with me here. She's the COO. She actually was the general manager of Parcel Motel uh, from when we started it uh, right up to, and then she stayed with us after UPS had acquired the company. So she's joined me here, and I have a just great digital team here, and I've got you know we've got a really. Uh, uh, you know, we—I've got a new team of people here, and they're all really excited about this. And it's—it's 
you know, it's, it's start up time again and we're we're doing everything by the seat of our pants and it's you know, it, that, that that time in a business of building it up is um, is is really when the most exciting things happen. And I often say that about our time at Nightline that I can tell more stories and anecdotes about from when we started the business to say when we got it to two million turnover to then say between when it was between twenty million and forty million turnover. You know what I mean? Because it's the most exciting times and the most fun you have, I think, is that is during the, the startup phase of the business. You know, after that, it settles down to being a possibly a post entrepreneurial business and settles down to just being a, a big company. Then you know. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course it is. And the element of risk um, is always exciting. If somebody is interested in looking up the Oopods, what's the website or how do they find out? So it's Oopod.com, O-O-H-P-O-D.com. And you register just like you would have done with Parson Hotel. So you register and you get an OID, which is an eight-digit number. And then you can order on, uh, particularly for people in the side of border, near the border area there, you can order on UK sites. Have it delivered to Jonesboro, um, uh, Banbridge, Bleak, um, and there's a number of them there around the border area, and um, Straban, we've never been Straban, yeah. And um, so then what you do is you order online, have it delivered, you use the address, pick the nearest UPOD location to you, that's your delivery address, just like Paris Motel, and then when you... Um, you make sure to put your UID in, in the delivery address. So what happens then when the courier arrives at the parcel locker, he just keys in your UID and puts it straight into the locker for you. You get a text then straight away with a unique PIN number so that you go and pick up the parcel um, within 48 hours. So it's very much very similar to how Parcel Motel works, except you have to go and go in person to pick up from, um, uh, especially for the cross-border guys, you have to go over the border yourself to pick it up. It's a fabulous idea, and and it, John, thank you so much for sharing all that story with us. Can I just ask you one last question for anyone who is listening out there? Because things are not easy for business people at the moment. Um, would you have any advice for an entrepreneur who, like yourself, has set up a business and maybe on shaky ground? I think the, I think the most important thing for any entrepreneur, and if I, you know, Claire, we you know we were talking about this earlier, is that. And the most important thing for any business is to watch the cash flow. So it doesn't matter how great your food tastes or how great your product or service is. Um, the thing that decides whether you stay in business tomorrow is the balance in your current account. So, and if you're finding it difficult, if you're finding trading difficult, the first thing to do is to go talk to your bank manager about maybe getting a, an overdraft to get you through a, a bumpy patch or, but certainly, um, the, the, and probably before that even is to make sure that you've got a good accountant who can do cash flow forecasting for you so that you can predict that your cash situation might get tight mm. you can go to the bank and say look I can see that next month or the month after my cash position might uh, tighten up here uh, can you help me out with an overdraft or a small loan or whatever it is it's always better to be going to a bank to plan to go to your bank manager to be planning these things as, as far in advance as possible Rather than going to them when you're at, you're on your last, you know, when you're Let's. running out of cash, and uh, and you're and you're in a panic, so it's best to make sure. You know, when people get busy, especially at this time of the year, you know, people get busy with stuff and they're running around and they haven't got time for their admin and they haven't looked at their accounts and all the rest of it. It's best to make sure you're sitting down, reviewing your financial situation, particularly now if you're paying more for for commodities, or you're paying more for fuel or electricity. You might have to consider putting your own prices up. 
it's pretty important to sit down and review that with with a qualified you know accountant, someone that knows the way around numbers. And then if the cash situation is going to get tight, that's when you go do a plan, go make an appointment to see your bank manager and, and have a chat with them about it. Not when you're two days away from running out of cash, you know. Yeah, a very, very sage advice there. But look, you've shone a light on uh, an entrepreneur and what you do and the business and how successful it's been. And anyone who is interested in that, that's Oopod. So it's oohpod.com. I'll be putting this up as a podcast as always, and I will um, link it to your website. John Tui, the very best of luck. I think we'll be hearing about you again. And thank you so very much indeed for joining us on this morning's Up and Running. Thank you, Claire. Up and Running with Claire Ronan on Ocean FM. That's it for this week's Up and Running. Thanks to all my guests this morning and most importantly, thanks to you for listening. Niall Delaney is up next with the best of this week's Northwest Today. If you would like to listen back to any of this show, you can go to oceanfm.ie, click podcast, or you can also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Ocean FM Ireland. Until next week, thanks for listening.